Hey, how's it going, Anchor Church and everybody out there that's watching us um, at the time of me talking to you guys? We're in this series that's called Not Afraid right now. This is week number three, and I'm titling the message, Remember Who You Can Trust. And the whole idea behind the Not Afraid is that we're going through scary times, that we would get scared. And what the Bible is trying to teach us and God's trying to encourage us is to not be afraid. No be scared, as we say in Hawaii. No scared them. Go get them. You guys heard? Okay. Sorry, that's poor pigeon. But not afraid means that we're going to walk through life and this coronavirus and everything that's going on in the world around us with a mindset that just says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And we're going to live that out as Christians every day. Who's with me? You guys with me? Tell somebody next to you right now, yeah, we're with him. We like this guy. We're going to hang around for a couple more minutes. It's good. I'm talking to you guys wherever you're at right here today. Uh, go get yourself a drink. Go get yourself some snacks. Get comfortable where you're at. Bring food to church. You're having church in your house today. So we just want to come right into your house where you're at. Uh, we're really blessed to be with you guys today. But let me get into the, the message. This week, I heard a YouTube video that got taken down. I don't know if you guys saw this. There's a couple of doctors in California that they run a testing facility. And they had this opinion and they had this, this voice and it was very convincing. And honestly, I bought into it. It was just talking about a case for not doing the crazy quarantine and the lockdown and all of that that's going on. And maybe we're being excessive and maybe by guarding from the immunities in the world, we're actually weakening our immune system. And we're gonna come back a couple months later, very susceptible to a lot of different diseases. And I heard that. I thought it was very true and it could be real. And then they said that by actually crippling um, all of our small business and all the, our schools and everything like that and making us stay home, they said that what they've seen in, um, and I've read this in other sources as well, they've seen other things that are harmful to us. We're all locked away to be physically sound, but suicide levels are skyrocketing. Alcoholism is skyrocketing. Child molestation is the, the numbers are increasing. Uh, people just in close quarters, divorce and divorce attorneys are like going to be in good business because people are having a hard time dealing with all of this. Depression, loneliness, isolation, all of these other things we're suffering from. And so, man, these guys had a really compelling argument. Then I saw on CNN that they came out and they, can't, they basically kind of dissed these two guys and said, no, their findings are all wrong. Their numbers are skewed, whatever. And I'm sitting there going, man, these are both pretty credible sources and they make a good argument. And here's, here's my thought. Who can I trust? Like, who do I believe? Who can I listen to? Who is it that we can trust in the middle of so many opinions and so many facts? We don't know what's facts. There's, there's governors, there's mayors, there's presidents. Everybody's saying good stuff, and we just don't know who we can believe. And so I, I want to pose a question today is, who can we trust in this crisis? There's a story in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, where there's a dad, a dad that has a young son. We don't know how old he is, but he comes to Jesus, and he goes, I need some help. My son is demon-possessed. In other words, there's an evil spirit that's running his life and it's trying to throw him into the water to drown him or it's trying to put him into fire to burn him and kill him. And he goes, I, I brought my son to your disciples, Jesus. I trust them. I figured that they have your power and whatever connection with God. Then I asked them to pray for him to be healed and they couldn't do it. And so I'm coming to you right now and he basically tells Jesus, please help me if you can. And Jesus says this, hey, anything's possible if you believe and here's what the guy says. It's so classic and it applies to us. Here's what this man says in Mark 9, 24. It says, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my belief. Help me overcome my unbelief. And isn't that like a lot of us here today? Again, who can we trust? Who do we listen to? This time is crazy in our lives. And it's almost like us saying this to God. God, I, I do believe in you, but can you remind me why again? Can you remind me why I believe again? And so 
today I want to basically kind of hopefully prove a point to you that in the midst of all these voices and chatter and people out there and, and opinions and stuff being thrown around, I would like to make it my job tonight in the next few minutes to remind you who you can trust and that you would remember who you can trust. And we're going to be in the book of Psalms tonight. I'm going to give you about six passages, six verses, six or seven in the book of Psalms that I would like to use to remind you who you can listen to and who you can trust. And that person is God. If you've never read the book of Psalms, it's an amazing book for, for people like us in times of crisis. The majority, at least half of the, the Psalms in the book of Psalms, there's about 150 Psalms, 75 of them we know for a fact were written by David, who's the same David that was David and Goliath, grew up to be the greatest king of Israel. And he writes these Psalms in times of anguish and anger and anxiety and fear and crisis. And then he also speaks a whole lot of Psalms about the hope that he found in Jesus and the, the reminding of himself and us today that God can be trusted. So Psalms is a great book to start reading if you got extra time during these COVID-19 hours that you got on your hands. So let's start in the book of Psalms with Psalm 9, verse 9 through 10. And here's what it says. That David's writing this. He says, The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. That's the best way that I can describe where we're at right now as a nation, as a world. We're in times of trouble. To make it just a long story short, now there's this, there's that. We're just in times of trouble and we need some help. And it says, God's our shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name, trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. And the first thing I want to point out is in this time of trouble, remember that God is the person that you can trust. Remember, there is someone that you can trust. King David wrote that right here is, man, in this crazy time of trouble, those that know your name, they trust in you. In this time for us, would you remember Christians, followers of Jesus Christ? And if you're not quite there yet, that's cool. I'm glad you're listening. But would you be reminded, if you know God, would you be reminded today that God is the one that you can trust? And if you're listening and you're going, well, I don't know about that yet, hopefully I can talk to you a little bit tonight and kind of give you a little bit, bit of a glimpse into the God I believe in. And maybe I can convince you that he is someone that you can trust. Um, because how much you trust someone is based on how well you know them. Um, and it says, those that know your name trust in you. For those that really know me, they can trust me. There's a lot of people that call me different names in this world. I think about that. There's people that would just call me sir. So clearly that's someone I'm out at, on the street or at a restaurant or, or in the store or something like, sir, may I help you? Well, they have a little bit of information about me. They know me a little bit, but barely anything. So probably those people can't trust me too well. They're just going, hey, sir. Or maybe the kind of guys that when you show up and, and you're in a government office or whatever, and they go, um, Mr. Moore. And they only just learned your name because they read it off a form. They don't know me too much. But then there's other people that know me a little bit better. They call me pastor, Pastor Carl. And maybe you're watching here today and you're going, yeah, you're my pastor. I, I kind of know you. And maybe there's the people that, that work for me and with me on our church staff. And maybe they call me boss. Those people, I work with them. I see them on the daily. So they can probably trust me a little bit more than that. There's people in my life that call me Carl, first name basis. Those are probably friends of mine. There's people in my connect group that I'm tight with. And they call me brother. Like, hey, brother, how are you doing today? I got texted today by some friends. Hey, what's up, brother? Just checking in on you. Then there's people that maybe have known me for a, a long time or they're, they know me well enough, intimately enough that they call me captain. One of my nicknames my whole life has been Captain Carl. I don't even know, forget where that came from, but they call me captain or there's people that I know in my life that call me Carlos, that I allow them 
to switch my name up and give me the Hispanic version of my name, Carl, Carlos. And I love that. They know me well. And then there's those that know me really well. Those that know me really well, they, they trust me really well. And those are about three people in this world that literally call me dad. And so what we're seeing here is that how much you trust someone is based on how well you know them. And the people that know me in my life, I might do something that's confusing to them or that they don't understand, but because they know me, they trust me. And so I want to like present that to you guys today, is that the more you know God, the more you're going to be able to walk this crisis out and say, no, no, I, I don't understand what's going on. And it hurts a little bit. And I'm a little confused, but I know my God. Pastor Carl, remind me a little bit about how, how well I know my God and what I can believe in. Because when I know my God, then I can put my trust in him. So let me remind you today why you can trust in God during this time. And here's what the Psalms say to us. Majority of what I'm going to share today is literally from David writing this to us. And in Psalm 22, verse 19, I want to, I want to give you about six things here today that can remind you why you can trust in God in this time. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Remember that God is your strength. The psalmist, David, writes this today. God is my strength. It says, but you, O Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. And this is one thing I found about calling God your strength. And this is really cool, is that every time you feel weak and you're going through a hard time, every time you feel weak, it's simply an opportunity to watch God be strong. It's simply an opportunity when you're hurting and, and coronavirus and you're, you're struggling with work and all this, like, man, I'm feeling re really, really weak right now, God. You know what that is? That's an opportunity that you're basically setting up the stage for God to step in and show himself strong in your life. Every time you feel weak, you watch God become strong. The, our God is a God for the wait for it moments. You ever watch one of those like Instagram videos or something? It's a real short video clip and they're going, wait for it, wait for it. And so you've got to watch the whole clip to see at the end the funny or the dramatic thing that happens. You guys got to know that God is our strength. He's a God of the wait for it moments. That he's, he's going, yeah, the world looks terrible right now. Yep, you're locked inside. Yeah, you're going through that rough relationship or whatever. But here's God whispering in your ear, I'm your strength. I'm the God of the wait for it moments. Just wait for it. I will speak to you. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, he complained about something. He had something that he called the thorn in his flesh. Three times he asked God to remove it from him. We don't know if it was a physical handicap or disability or a spiritual thing that was nagging him, a spirit or something, but he struggled with something. And basically he said three times, God, could you just please take this away from me? And then what he came to the conclusion was, because God never took it away from him, is that basically God was setting Paul up so that he could be the one that is strong and Paul's the one that is weak. And Paul finally admitted, nah, you know what? That's all right. It's cool. He goes, because when I'm weak, you're strong. So never mind. I'm not going to ask for that anymore. I like this. Whenever I'm feeling weak, I'm just sitting back and waiting to watch God become strong. And it's the same for you, that God can be your strength and that when you're weak, he's setting you up to show you how he can be strong. Now, here's a second thing about God that that King David writes in the Psalms, is that God is always faithful. Remember that. Tell somebody you're seated next to or standing next to or wherever you're at in your place right now, just turn to somebody right now and just go, hey, you know what, man? God is faithful. And I'm gonna tell you why God is faithful and why you just said that to your friend or family member right there. Is it in Psalm 31, the setting was basically that David had his enemies were against him and he was in a lowly place under attack, people were discrediting his reputation and his name to the point not only were his enemies against him, his friends and close people in his life, they didn't really believe in him. 
And so he actually writes this in Psalm 31, verse 5. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. And the point that David's trying to make is is this, and maybe this speaks to you, is that other people in your life, they're not always going to be faithful to you. People are going to let you down. People are going to change, and people aren't going to be faithful to you. Now, that's not discouraging news. It's just humanity. It's how we all are. Is that there's people, I remember when I was young, and, and how much you just love your parents, and they're so good. They're your providers. They love you and all of this. But then there's times when you may screw up or do something wrong, and they change. Remember when your parents would change, and they would get that family voice going? The one voice that you hear only in your household that's super irritated and angry and short, sharp and fast to like criticize you? And your parents are the nicest people in the world to everybody else. But when that family voice comes on, it's like, oh, oh, what did I do? And you're like, I thought you were this loving parent. And I remember one time I got in trouble and I was down at the beach surfing with my girlfriend, having a good old day. And my dad comes storming down the walkway and he, he looks at me. The family voice is reared up. And not only the family voice, but the middle name came out. You guys remember the middle name? When your parents call you by the middle name, you know they're serious, right? It was, it was dad showing up on the beach in front of my girlfriend, calling me out of the water And he's telling me this, Carl Ryan Moore, you better get your butt home right now and we're going to talk. And you guys know that like you're thinking, but my dad loves me and he's super cool. Why is he like people? They don't mean to be, but people are going to be faithless now. But let me tell you this, is that the reason that you think they're being faithless and they're not being this normal loving person is that my dad said, here's what you did, Carl. And in my dad's perspective was, I totally screwed up something at home and I had every right to get the family voice and the middle name pulled out because guess what else other than other people being faithless? I'm faithless as well. And I understand that sometimes I blow it. I say the wrong things to the wrong people. I have dumb actions. I run away from confrontation. Whatever it might be is what King David is trying to say here is this. Check this out. Sometimes people are gonna be faithless to you. Sometimes you're gonna be the one that's faithless to other people. But here's what you can count on. We have a God who is always faithful that he's the God that says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's the God that says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and in your eternity, forever, tomorrow, your future, I'm the same God. I'm always faithful to you. I'm not gonna have to use the family voice on you. I'm not gonna have to bust out the middle name because I'm always gonna be the same. That's our God. And Dave is reminding us, man, he is a faithful God. Number three is this, is that in Psalm 65, we learn that God is my hope. God is your hope. We've been talking about that a lot for the past few weeks, what this word hope means. And in Psalm 65, verse 5, it says, You faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds, O God, our Savior. You are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. And I looked up in the original language here in the, in the Hebrew that the, uh, that the original meaning of the word hope in this instance is confidence. And so it's basically saying you are the confidence of everyone on earth. And what this is saying is right now that if you're feeling like discouraged, you don't believe in yourself and who you are and where you're at, maybe you're like shut in and you're lonely or whatever, is that that you can believe in yourself because God believes in you. God is your confidence. If you're feeling like you can't get the job done and you can't go another day, you're discouraged, is it remember that God's your confidence, that he believes in you when nobody else believes in you, when you don't even believe in yourself. I know that I'm better than I think I am because God said so. And maybe you need to remind yourself that right now, is that you're actually better than you think you are, not because of what other people say, not because of what you think about yourself, 
You're better than you think you are because God says so, that he's your confidence. He's your hope. Don't let other people define you. I don't know if you guys caught that um, uh, kind of that, that new show that, that came on. I think it's called The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan series or whatever's going on. One of the quotes I got from that um, series was really interesting. When Michael Jordan was a NBA rookie, um, a former NBA player and also commentator at the time, Walt Frazier, said this about the rookie Michael Jackson. Listen to this about don't let other people define you. Here's what he said about Michael Jackson. He said, he's not seven foot, so he's not going to carry a team in the NBA. And the guy's not seven feet. He's not tall enough. He's not going to help anybody else. He's not going to carry a team in the NBA. And of course, you guys know the story of Michael Jordan and what he went on to become, the superstar, amazing, six championships for the, the Bulls and all of that story. But here's the lesson is, don't let other people define you. God alone is your confidence. God alone thinks you're cool and he's your greatest fan. Here's what David is reminding us today when we're losing all hope. No, 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 God is your hope. God's your confidence. Here's the fourth thing that I wanna tell you today that would remind you who you can trust. And this is in Psalm 75, is that God is near. God is near. He's close to you. He's with you. Psalm 75, one says, we thank you, O God. We give thanks because you are near. Like, we're so thankful. We're so grateful. This is, this is me, Carl, saying this. is Every single day when I wake up, I'm just like, God, thank you that I don't have to go through this day alone. God, I'm freaking out. I've got all these situations. I'm, I'm the pastor of a church, but I'm a dad over here. I'm, I'm a friend over here. I've got all these different roles, and I don't know if I'm doing it right. God, thanks for being with me. Thank you that you are near. He says, people everywhere tell of your wonderful deeds. Is it in the book of James, it says that God will draw near to you when you choose to draw near to him that when you come close to God, he will come close to you. This is a, a cool thing the other day that I, I just had it on my heart to call my friend. I hadn't talked to him in months. And one of the great things that we're all discovering um, in this time of virus is that, that people are just a phone call away. And sometimes we forget to touch base with a lot of people. I know I'm so guilty of it, but God put on my heart to call my friend I hadn't talked to him in months. And literally just out of the blue, I decided to call him. And he said, when I first called him, he said, hey, I'll call you back in a minute. I'm on the other line. I said, okay, cool. He called me back and he answered the phone by saying, hey, Carl, I just want you to know you're a miracle. I was like, what? He goes, you're an answer to prayer. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just Carl. I'm from Hawaii. I'm just calling you up, man. I'm your friend. He goes, no, I was just on the phone with someone else and I was talking to God in my head, in my spirit while I was talking to this guy saying, man, I feel kind of lonely. My phone hasn't rang in a while. My, it was a business call I was on, but he goes, I haven't had too much contact with friends lately. And Man, God, I just want to know that I'm doing okay. Like, do, do people love me? You know, we all kind of feel like that at times. And he goes, God, I'm just, I just want to know that I'm doing okay. My phone hasn't rung in a while. Rung, rang, one of those. But he goes, right in that moment is when you called. And he goes, and you're calling me now. I haven't heard from you for months, but you're one of my closest friends. And he goes, that's an answer to prayer that, that God cares about me. And he had you call me right. And we just had the longest, greatest talk to catch up. And, and it was just amazing to know that I was his answer to prayer. But then secondly, this is what was cool. The very next day, I was sitting around. I forget what I was doing. I was working on something and I just threw out a call out to God, a little prayer out to God. God, where am I at in life right now? Am I doing okay with what you've called me to do? Where am I at? Can you just tell me, am I, am I, am I productive? Am I valuable to you? Am I, how am I doing? Am I okay? Where, where's my life at? I've been through some seasons. And my, my other friend texted me right exactly as I prayed that prayer. A text came through, and basically what he had to say was, was basically, hey, Carl, I think I got a word for you. 
And he basically went on to say some stuff like, hey, for as long as I've known you for the past decade, you've been in a struggle and you've been battling and you've been doing this. And God just wants you to hear that you're walking in his favor right now. And you're in a time of his blessing. You should just sit back and enjoy it. And I was literally asking God, where am I at in my life right now? And my friend texted me and he goes, here's where God says you're at in life right now. Both of those situations, you know why God answered those prayers from my friend that was saying, Lord, send someone to speak to me. My phone's been quiet. And then in my situation where I'm like, God, where am I at right now? You know why God answered those prayers? This is what I believe. Is that God is near us to hear us. That God comes close enough to listen because he would have never known or responded to what was going on if I hadn't been near enough to be praying and seeking and listening to him. And I want you to know that when David is writing this, he's saying, God is near. If you're near to him, he's right there near to you. He's near us to hear us. I heard a story of someone else the other day, a few other people going, they're describing their one friend. And they said, man, she is the greatest gift giver. She always is thoughtful. She knows exactly what to give as a gift. She heard you say something you needed or wanted months ago. And you're going to find that on your birthday or Christmas, you got exactly what you had been wanting. And I thought, that's so cool. But you know what I thought? I said, I thought that the reason that person is such a good gift giver is because they're close enough to those other people. They're near enough to those other people to hear their needs, their desires, their heart. And if she wasn't close enough, she would have never known how to give the perfect gift. But that's our God with us. He's near us to hear us. He's close enough if we stay close to him so that he knows what you need him to do. And if you wanna get close to God, you wanna know God, well, here's what I suggest you do. Whether you've, you've strayed from God or maybe you're watching this right now and you're like, I'm not really a Christian. I don't know. Sounds cool. How do I get close to God? Simple. It's just like any relationship. Spend time with him. Talk to him. Hang out. Go to church. Listen to Christian music. Read about him. He wrote a whole book called The Bible, greatest selling book of all time. Check him out. Learn about him that way. Talk to him. Listen to him. Half of prayer is when we're quiet. We're not even yapping. Half of it is like, God, here's me. Here's what's going on. The other half of prayer is just sitting there and going, God, speak to me. Like I'm all ears, my heart's open, my eyes, my mind. Uh, speak to me, God. That's how you get close to God is when you actually, you think about him. Don't assume that you already know about God because let me tell you this, God is better than your assumptions. Don't assume that you know him already. Don't assume that you know about him. Every day I'm learning something about God. You know what I'm finding out? The closer I get to him, God's better than my assumptions. So here's the fifth thing today, if you're taking any notes, is that God is good. That sounds kind of simple and kind of understated and it's not fancy, but look at this, this verse in Psalm 86, verse five. It says, oh Lord, you are so good. You're so ready to forgive. You're so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. That God is so good. God's not just good. The psalmist is writing, no, no, he's not just good. He's actually so good. How good is he? He's so good. You know, you ever like, you don't even know what to say. You're just like, I don't know, man. It was just so, it was good. It was so good. How good was that movie? So good. How good was that meal you just say? Oh, so good, right? It's just like, we don't know what to say. And that's what the psalmist is kind of saying. He's not just good. He's so good. There's a song we sing called Good, Good Father. And I love it. It's important that we're not just singing. He's a good father. But I love that it's like twice as nice, right? He's a good, good father. Because I'll tell you this, I'm a good father. I try to be a good father. My kids might argue, but I understand this. I try my best to be a good father. And I realize that I have limitations, that I say dumb things to my kids. I hurt my kids' feelings sometimes. I don't mean to. I'm human. I blow it. I'm not the best father. But I would say this, I'm a good father. But here's the difference between me and God. 
God is a good, good father. God is not just a good father. He's so good. He's so loving. He's so forgiving. His ways are always best when sometimes I fall short. And it says he's so forgiving, he's ready to forgive. You know what that means? He doesn't hold a grudge. There's times in my life when I say things or I do dumb actions and I feel bad. I'm guilty about it. And I think that God sometimes is probably in heaven going, you know what, Carl? That's the last straw. I can't believe you just did that. You know what? That's too far. That's too far. Carl, you push the limits. I'm out. See ya. You're on your own. Find a new profession. Find a new religion to believe in because I'm out of here. I can't handle you. God will never do that because what does it say right there? He's so ready to forgive. He's not going to hold a grudge against you. He loves you. All of the stuff that you're feeling guilty for, all you got to do is go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Will you accept me? And he's already like, my son already died on the cross 2,000 years ago for every one of those sins. I got you. Man, I'm so ready to forgive you, Carl. And it says he is so full of unfailing love. That means God is so loving. Not just what he does, but love is actually who he is. Did you know that? That God isn't just a loving God, that he isn't just about loving people. It's not what he does. It actually says in 1 John that that God actually is, by definition, he is love. So if you look up the word love in the dictionary, what you should see is a picture of God, right? He is love. And that's probably dumb. He's probably not like that. He's probably like, But whatever he looks like in the picture, here's what I always focus on. The story that Jesus told in the gospels about the prodigal son, the son that ran away from his loving father, messed up his life, gambled away all of his money, came home with his head between his legs, kind of just like, ah, bummed out. I wonder if my dad will even accept me back. And it's the picture of this father that is so forgiving, so full of love. The dad sees him from a long way off and he goes, oh, there's my kid. Yeah, he jacked up his life. He squandered his money. He's down on his luck. He left and said harsh words to me. But remember what the dad did in that prodigal son story? The dad goes, there's my boy. He hiked up his robe and he just took off running. And he came to his son. It says he threw his arms wide open, wrapped them around his son. That's how loving, that's how forgiving, that's how good our God is. Can I just remind you of that? And here's my very last thing that I'm gonna leave with you is that God in Psalm 118, this is what, what the psalmist writes, he's my God. I love that, that it gets personal. It's not that he's, oh, my God is my hope, he's my strength, he's near, all this stuff, is that this is the one that says God is my God. Psalm 118, verse 28 says, you are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. You know what I have to say about that here, me personally, Carl Moore, is that the reason I'm a Christian is because my God knows me and I know him and we're tight. He knows every detail of my life. He goes out of his way to be extra because he's my God. He can be your God too. He loves everybody. He's reaching out to everybody. But you know what I appreciate? He knows me. He knows Carl Ryan Moore. He knows the middle name. He knows all my faults, all my weaknesses, all my strengths. And he just loves me. He's my personal God. And I want you to know him too. But I love that he knows me and that we're tight, that the story of my life is I grew up in a pastor's home. I was a pastor's kid. And for a while when I was little, he was my parents' God. And at some point in about junior high, I learned to make him my God. And I said yes to him in a new way. And I began to follow him and say, God, I'm gonna go to church, read my Bible, do all the Christian stuff. Not because I have to, because I want to. Because you're cool, because you love me. You care about me and I wanna get to know you. And my whole life, and he helped me out in all my teenage years. And I went through all the, the regular teenage rebellion and all the the getting messed up and doing all that stuff. But my God held on to me and he was there for me in all my trials. 
And as I, I went and stepped into my calling and I went to Bible college and I started my life and got married and family and all of that, came back to Hawaii, got into pastoring and, and went through some valleys, to be honest with you. Went through some, the hardest season of my life I just walked out of. The past, I don't know, eight, 10 years or something was the hardest, most painful, most difficult season of my life. But you know what was good? Is that my God was there with me. And my God saw me through to the other side. And my God is walking me out of the hardest season of my life because he knows me, because he's my God. And I would hope that you would be reminded today in this message, the last point that I made here is that the God is your God. He knows you. He's got you. He's gonna help you in the midst of this time. He's, listen, here's all the things he's talking about. He's our strength, our fit. He's always faithful. He's our hope. He's near. He's so good. He's forgiving and he's loving. But best of all, he's my God. He's your God. He's our God personally. There's a lot of voices that are going on right now. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of people chattering in the background. But this is what we can remember. In times of trouble, remember who you can trust. Is that good? Let's just pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you for, for, for the reminder today in this message. I hope someone's encouraged today. Lord, I hope someone out there that was discouraged can now be encouraged and that courage could be put into their heart, into their life, into their mind because they're reminded today how good of a God you are. Lord, I just want to go back and read all the Psalms all over again because it was written by people in tough times like we are today who found hope in an amazing God. And not just the God that's out there, but it's a, it's a my God situation. It's a personal thing. So Lord, we love you and we thank you for that. Lord, help us to walk out this next week with those around us, Lord, with courage to not be afraid, not to be scared, but Lord, to walk it out knowing that you're for us. So who can be against us? Lord, fill us with that, that strength here today to know that you are, oh, you're such a good God. You're so good. You're an amazing God, Lord. And I want to encourage you right now that if you're also tuning in and you're watching with us here and, and you maybe pray that prayer, but maybe there's a different prayer that you need to pray. Maybe it's a prayer right now that says, well, it sounds really good, but I, I don't know if he's my God, really. Sounds like it. I've always known about the God that's out there and I'm a pretty positive person and I'm open to spiritual things, but kind of today it sounds like I need to really get with this God and with Christianity and this relationship with God that maybe you never knew about before. And again, it's not some stuffy religion. It's, it's not about all the, the liturgy and the, the religiosity and the things that you can do and you can't do. It's about a God that just says, I just created you and I love you. I want to help your life and I want to fix you. And all I want to do is, is come alongside and be your God. I want to be near you. And I want to give you a hope of a better life now and in eternity in heaven with, with me face to face. That's our God. He's calling that. And if you would like to take him up on that offer, it's a free gift that he's offering us through what he did with his son on the cross 2,000 years ago, dying for us, taking the hit so we don't have to, paying the price for all of our sin and separation from this good God because we're unclean and he's clean and holy and perfect. And he goes, the only way to pay for you guys to get back with me is I'm gonna sacrifice my own son. He's gonna die on that cross to pay the price, but he's also gonna show you that he's the way out, that he can escape actual eternity of death that he overcame that with new life and he has that new life for us as well. And so if you'd like to say a simple prayer, the Bible says it's just a matter of believing in our heart and, and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord and that we're gonna follow him. It's real simple. If you can do that here with me today, then you're in the family of God. He becomes your personal God 
and it becomes your strength, your hope, all of the stuff we just talked about here today. So I'm gonna give an opportunity right now, wherever you're out watching, if you would like to make Jesus your Lord, your Savior, God the Father, your God, your Creator, if you'd like to allow his Holy Spirit to move in you and to change the way you think and feel, then I'd ask you to pray with me right now. If this is something you wanna do, just pray wherever you're at, under your breath, doesn't even have to be out loud, God hears you. But let's pray together, and you can make this decision. It's an eternal decision. Here we go, let's pray. God, we come before you right now, and we're just telling you from the bottom of our heart, we need you, we want you. We don't even know all there is to know about you right now, but Lord, we're calling out and we're just saying, if there's a way, if there's a chance, God, I wanna follow you. If you'll have me, I wanna live for you. And I want you to know that in that moment right now where you're just saying, God, I believe in who you are, I believe in your son Jesus and what he did at the cross and the grave, he did it for me. And if you're saying in your heart now, God, I surrender my life to you. You show me how to live my life better. Show me what it is to live for you. And I, I, I dedicate everything that I have to living for you and your plans and your ways. Then in that moment right now, in your heart right now, Jesus just met you where you're at. God forgave you of all that wrong that you've ever done and ever will do. And he's gonna move forward with you in your life to make it better, to give you all the things we talked about here today, to be your personal God for all of eternity. When you die, it's not over. You get eternity to look, to look at in your future with God face-to-face -face and the rest of the family of God. So if you just prayed that prayer with me, congratulations, amen, which means so be it, which basically means chee-hoo. That was a terrible one, yeah? I wish I could chee-hoo louder. But God is so stoked on what you just did, and I'm really blessed. Um, thanks for letting me talk at you guys today. Pray that you have a great week.